Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Druids Grove. In this episode, we're going to be talking about ceremony or ceremonial magic in Druidry. So when I first started down my Druidic path, I didn't really understand much about ceremony or ceremonial magic. I didn't really know much about it or even that it existed really until I uh, started down this journey. The little bit that I did know about it was from the few weeks that I was looking into Um, other pagan paths, specifically when I came across Wicca. Um, And just from my brief investigation into Wicca and paganism, that kind of thing, the the concept of ceremony did kind of pique my interest, but I didn't really understand much about the purpose behind it. In general, I I was kind of drawn into the, the organization and the structure of the process of ceremony. I found it very interesting how things were were used in uh, spiritual practice. You know, I was I was interested in the the concept of uh, working with the elements, honoring the elements, uh, kind of putting your intention behind it. But I didn't really understand um, or connect with the the magical component of it. I guess, um, and in regards to the the goal of kind of a Wiccan ceremonial magic. Uh, in the concept of kind of directing your will or, or working to seek a specific outcome or a goal within magical practice or ceremony, I didn't really feel comfortable with that. Um, when I was looking at ceremony and kind of ceremonial magic, um, what I wanted was it to be more kind of directed at worship or uh, kind of connecting to or honoring, you know, whatever idea or concept I wanted to work with, such as, you know, the elements, gods and goddesses, nature, um, and so on. So I wanted to kind of approach it from the perspective of respect and appreciation, connection, rather than from the perspective of trying to uh, develop a a connection in order to inflict my will or my desires on the world around me. And I, I say this to, to kind of I tell this little story, this introduction, to kind of connect with you, um, you know, to to help have you get a sense of insight as to why you may want to look into ceremony or ceremonial magic. You know, what is your intention behind it? Um, you know, if you're just exploring it, you know, look at all the different ideas behind it. But think about why and how you may want to work with it. So when I came into Druidry, um, I first encountered Druidry through uh, Obad, the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids, and the in the course, uh, the introduction to ceremony was kind of slow and slowly introduced. It was not forced onto uh, the the practitioner or the the person doing the studying, the student, but it was encouraged and was kind of approached from the idea of an introduction to ceremony as a way of respect, uh, honor, sincerity, and connecting to the elements, that kind of thing. It was presented as a way to kind of build a connection to the the unseen and to bring conscious awareness to the intention behind the ceremony. And and 
it was presented in a way to kind of um, consecrate a space uh, to work with the world around us and the elements and, you know, the magic within us and the magic of the universe. So this approach really did appeal to me. Um, What it did for me was it kind of gave me a sense of uh, wonder and curiosity, you know, rather than being just a, a formal task uh, you know, a list of tasks that has to be completed in order to achieve a goal. And and that was really appealing to me. So when we look at ceremony in general, um, you know, we can have different different kinds of thoughts or imaginative ideas come to mind as to what ceremony might be or its purpose or how we can work with it. And broadly speaking, ceremony is is present in in all kinds of practices, spiritual practices, governmental practices, school settings, you know, birthday parties, for instance. You know, if we think of having a birthday party for a child, we can kind of see the ceremonial components to it. You know, when it's time for the actual celebration of the birthday, there's there's generally like a formal structure, um, at least in the United States where, where I live. And, you know, birthday parties are kind of celebrated in this very formal structure kind of across the country. Um, just, you know, colloquially kind of society has, for whatever reason, developed this, this ceremony. So, you know, if we look at the, the process, so the child or, or even as an adult in an adult birthday party, um, they are the center of attention. So everyone stops what they're doing and gathers around this person. Someone typically lights a candle or candles um, that are placed in a special treat or a cake or whatever, cupcake, and they bring it and place it in front of this person. So everyone stops, everyone sings the happy birthday song, then the, the, the celebrant, the person that we are there to honor, makes a wish and blows out the candle. But, you know, there's the superstition. Remember, don't tell anyone what you wish, wished for or it won't come true. So if we look at like this, we may not think of a birthday party as a ceremony, but where do these, you know, these ideas come from? Where, do the, where does this process get developed and, and become commonplace? Why, why would we use a candle? You know, what is, the, what is with the kind of secret and the secrecy behind the wish? Um, why do we follow this very specific order? Um, you know, imagine instead if um, the person lights a candle and they blow it out before anyone sings or, um, or uh, you know, everyone just sits in silence um, when the cake is brought out with a candle and, and they don't sing. They just look very solemn. Uh, you know, serious. So this would seem kind of off, um, and that's because it's not following this normal structure of ceremony that we've kind of been indoctrinated to participate in. Uh, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of different places we can see ceremony. So we see ceremony in funerals and weddings, uh, at the birth of a child, um, you know, with the cutting of the umbilical cord or uh, someone is newly married and they're moving into a house and carrying someone over the threshold of a new home or the swearing in of a politician or a, a kindergarten graduation. So ceremony is present in all of these situations. So why do we use ceremony? And if we look at it, um, you know, if we think about it, is it always acknowledged kind of from an outsider's perspective to look at the why or the reason we are doing these things, or are they just like so ingrained in our culture that they lose their significance? You know, um, we just get so used to it when we're inside the ceremony that we don't even question why we're doing it. It's just, well, this is what you do, you know, that kind of thing. So, 
you know, do we realize the importance of the situation and really want to show it the, a sense of respect and to acknowledge that that moment is important to us? Or do we just kind of go with the flow because this is what you do and if you step out of line and do it differently, people will notice and then it seems weird and, you know, all that thing. So, so ceremony or ceremonial magic is, is really no different than these other types of ceremonies. And, and from an outsider's perspective, ceremonial magic or ceremony in a spiritual practice may seem like a very, a very odd thing or very extravagant, um, you know, depending on one's religion or spiritual practice. Um, they may, people may really judge uh, the ceremonial practice of others, you know. Um, people historically have been murdered, hanged, punished, jailed, prosecuted, persecuted, you know, extradited, whatever you want to say, severely punished for the way that they perform a ceremony if it doesn't align with the beliefs of the others around them. And if we look back, this is what happened to the Druids. So, you know, the Christians and the Romans encountered them. They did not like the way the Druids were doing things. Um, The Druidic practice of their spirituality did not align with what the new kind of status quo was. So they were wiped out. They were punished. Um, We can look back on the era of the Crusades or in the current era of the constant, you know, conflict in the Middle East countries where people are uh, murdering and killing other people based on their disagreement about who or how to worship, which most of the time revolves around ceremony. So, and if we look at it in individually, um, within a culture, most people within the, within an individual culture may not even think of what they do as ceremonial magic, but when they see other people do it and other cultures do it, they will judge them and you know, hurl accusations at them or judge them. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, when pagans had to meet out in the woods in the middle of the night, you know, before the witchcraft laws in the UK were struck down in the 1950s, um, you know, they had to meet out in the woods because other people did not um, want to acknowledge uh, the integrity or sincerity or or the way that they wanted to practice, and they did not like that, so they were going to be punished, so they had to do it in secrecy. So these people would be punished for their ceremony. So if we kind of look back at it, um, or even today, if we can just imagine it today, this, this image may bother some people. So if you imagine a group of people in robes gathered out in a forest around a fire, uh, you know, chanting and singing to the moon, you know, what does this image stir in you? Does it sound appealing? Does it sound interesting? Like, you know, you might want to be there as kind of a, per, um, you know, uh, kind of just viewing it off from the sidelines, or would you want to be inside it and be an active participant? Um, do you think, you know, I would like to do that, but I just really don't know where to start? Um, or conversely, does it make you think, well, those people are crazy. They should not be allowed to do that. Um, what's the what's the point of that? They shouldn't be out be out there doing that. Um, or you know, if we think about a different setting, what about a large group of people in a square building, all seated in pews, facing the same way and singing hymns together, and then listening to an appointed individual up at the front of the room talking about a spiritual subject to them? Um, how does the image of a church with this type of practice make you feel? Um, do you automatically think of them as Christians? 
I didn't say anything about Christians, but that's the image that a lot of us get. So what if we, what if this was a, a quote, church or a spiritual building, but all of these people were Druids and they were doing the exact same thing? What if they were dressed nicely, seated in pews, facing the same direction, listening to a Druid chieftain at the front of the room talking about Druid ideas or Druid spiritual practice, and then and then singing and praising the gods and the goddesses or the moons? Does that change how you feel about it? Does that change how other spiritual practice, practices would view those Druids? Probably so. Um, the practice looks identical. The only difference is in the content of the ceremony. So a, a group of Christians in a church versus a group of Druids in a, whatever you want to call it, a, a church or a spiritual group, if they looked exactly the same and you could not understand the language that they were speaking, they would be doing the exact same ceremony. But the, the context would be the only thing that is different. And some people just don't like that other people do things different than them. So it may not even have to do with their spiritual practice individually, but the the image of people gathering around a, a fire out in the woods on a full moon night and having a spiritual service versus the organization of being in a, a, a church or a spiritual building, they they don't like that because it's not what they're used to. And they don't think other people should be able to practice that, unfortunately. So again, if we kind of look at the forest scene of the practitioners around a fire, you know, arms listed, list, lifted up to the sky, singing to their gods, goddesses of the moon and the stars, you know, wearing colorful robes made for ceremonial practice. If we compare that to a group of Christians standing in a church together, arms raised to the sky, singing in praise to Jesus, wearing their formal attire due to the significance of their you know weekly Sunday ceremony, what is the difference? The only difference is our perception of the situation and the context. So the, you know, the only difference is the feelings that we allocate and, and, and allow to be expressed for this experience. And maybe one appeals differently to you. Maybe you like one more than the other. Um, the point here is that ceremony and spiritual practices are, uh, they're ubiquitous. They're widespread. Ceremony is commonplace in all spiritual practices. But so many people get wrapped up in their own ego and worry about protecting their own beliefs that they demean others that are doing the exact same thing, only maybe in a different environment or in different clothes or directed at different spiritual beings with different spiritual beliefs. So, going to kind of throw another little wrench into the whole concept of ceremony. Um, so when I came into Druidry, I was kind of distraught about two different things. So, um, First, um, you know, I thought, how in the world would I be comfortable enough to participate in a ceremony in a Druid practice with other people? Um, you know, I was so used to the idea and the concept of like a Christian ceremony um, being raised in the southern U.S., uh, but not really having gone to church, but that's commonplace here. Um, you know, the idea of doing a ceremony with other people outdoors was very uh, kind of shocking to me. Um, and again, this was showing my cultural indoctrination. Um, I had beliefs about what a ceremony was, what it should be, what it looked like based on what the, you know, was most common around me. Um, and these were instilled in me based on where I was born in the world and where I grew up, you know, and anything outside of that, um, sadly to say, um, to me seemed, uh, weird or different or impossible or quote wrong, however you want to say it. 
Um, but that's just showing my ignorance and, and lack of understanding and acceptance and, and, you know, having not yet changed my, my, my worldview and my perspective on things. <clears throat> and secondly, when I accepted the premise that maybe I can do this, and, and this actually is interesting to me, sadly I realized that there are no Druid groups around me to be able to participate in a Druid ceremony. So, you know, just within a few moments, I was initially worried, nervous, you know, scared, shocked, and then kind of disappointed and sad, but also kind of relieved, um, you know, because I, I was like, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't know how to do it. I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. You know, it's, it's just all these different thoughts at once, um, you know, but then I thought, well, how am I supposed to participate in ceremony if there's no one around me that I can go join in with? But the more I read and researched and studied Druidry through the Obad course, uh, the more it was made clear that it is perfectly okay, if not even encouraged, to kind of develop your own individual ceremonial practice. And I can completely say wholeheartedly, you know, without reservation, that this, this flexibility um, and this openness to be able to establish your own individual practice and ceremony, this was the doorway that kind of let me dive more deeply into Druidry and to develop a spiritual connection, you know, to the world and, and Druidry that I, you know, never imagined was possible because I was kind of brought up that, you know, you, you, to do your spiritual practice, you have to be around other people and you have to go to quote church, whatever that looks like. And, you know, worship with other people. The idea of developing your own practice and having your own ceremony was never something that occurred to me. And, and being introduced to that in Druidry really opened up the world for me to be able to go down this path. So again, I share this story to provide you with uh, kind of assurance that it is perfectly okay if you live in an area where there aren't other Druids around you or pagans or whatever, um, that you can join in ceremony. It's, it's okay to do your own thing. You know, it, maybe there are other pagan groups like Wiccans or just um, a lot of areas just have, you know, a generic kind of pagan group where people can come together and meet because there's not a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of Wiccans or uh, heathenry or, or Druids or whatever you, whatever pagan practice you follow. There's not a lot of the individual specific groups in the area. So many people will just form kind of a pagan group and get together and, and celebrate things or celebrate holidays, that kind of thing, or the wheel of the year or the Sabbaths or whatever you want to call it, you know, and they have ceremonial celebrations and, and maybe you could join them if you're interested in, in getting together with other people. But whatever your decision, um, whether it's like individual practice or group practice or a mixture of both, the benefits of using ceremony in your practice can be very special. Um, it can help bring insight and gratitude and a new level of kind of love and appreciation and connection to your own spiritual practice. So what, what are the kind of the broad ideas about ceremony? What are we doing in ceremony and what is the purpose? Um, so, so broadly speaking, the goal of ceremony is to bring a sense of kind of formality and intensity to a specific uh, situation. So our goal here is to kind of leave the outside world. We want to blur out the outside world and intensely focus on the present moment. So our goal is we want to bring all our attention and focus to this moment right here, right now, with a sense of purpose and intention. And the topic of a ceremony can be anything you, you want it to be, anything that you feel is important. Um, it can be to celebrate the holidays of the Wheel of the Year, 
or um, to celebrate your initiation into your Druidic practice, or even just a daily ceremony at your altar in your home just to bring a few moments of kind of quiet reflection and meditation to your day. Uh, ceremony can be very extravagant, you know, requiring robes or full dress or, you know, uh, kind of formal dress, um, you know, a journey to a special place outdoors, or it can just simply be a moment of silence in your car before going into work. That can look like, uh, that can be ceremony as well. Uh, you know, anytime that we are taking a moment to kind of block out the outside influence of uh, like the, the humanistic, the human world uh, with all its distractions, you know, and all that, and focusing internally on our connection to nature or our spiritual guides or meditating on a specific topic. These are all a form of ceremony. So in ceremony, not only are we kind of quieting the mind and the space around us, we're, we have the additional goal of seeking to make, make a conscious connection to the universe around us with an emphasis on whatever we are wanting to connect with. So we are going to kind of create a safe space. Um, some believe that we are create, creating an area that we can be protected from outside harm. Um, and I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. Um, many, many people believe in um, various energies um, around us, outside of us, and inside of us. And they believe that we can exchange energy, positive or negative, with the world around us. And in ceremony, when our minds and our energies are focused in one direction or on one concept or subject, um, we can be exposed and vulnerable in other areas that we are not focusing on. And this may, may seem kind of weird or odd, you know, if you're not used to ceremony, but it is um, kind of an important concept in many different pagan practices and even in a lot of the mainstream practices. Um, so, for instance, many, many spiritual practices, they will build something like uh, one term might be like a sphere of protection or a circle of protection around them. For instance, we can think of like Christians or other religions. They they ask their God for protection. Um, you know, so there's no difference really in, in how we approach this practice. So whether you are a Druid or a Wiccan, you know, and using your finger to draw a sphere of protection around you, or you are a Christian in a church and you are asking your God for protection at this time, there's, there's really no difference. So, um, so when we are in ceremony, what do we hope to accomplish during the ceremony? So we may seek to connect with the elements, you know, earth, air, fire, water, spirit. Um, we may be looking to connect with or kind of deepen our understanding of a deity or gods or goddesses that we want to interact with. Uh, we may be looking to travel to the other world. We can be looking to simply, we can look to simply just be silent and listen to the universe for a direction or a path to go in in our daily lives. There's any number of reason, reasons to hold a ceremony. So whatever the intention behind it is, the goal with the ceremony is to kind of bring a formality and sincerity to that moment and to that intention. So then now that we have figured out that we want to have a ceremony and we have figured out, you know, the purpose or intention we want to have to it, how do we perform a ceremony? So this depends greatly on your practice and it, it, it's very varied and different depending on your spiritual background. So a Druid ceremony and a Wiccan ceremony may not look that different, but a Christian ceremony or even a Christian Druid's ceremony may be very different than someone else's. So 
um, usually ceremony, um, however you lay it out, is going to have a very distinct order or kind of an outline or a guide that you want to follow. And if you're, if you're new to ceremony, it can be helpful just to have a written order or a list uh, beside you to reference you know, when you start doing ceremony until you do it enough times to get it down and you can do it from memory. Um, you know, there's, um, if you listen to some other Druid podcasts, um, like for instance, so Philip Cargom, uh, he tells the story, he's the head of, or was the former head of Obad. He tells stories that when he was initiated into Obad, that he was the youngest person there. I think he was, you know, 16 or 18 or something, but, um, a lot of the members were, were just older gentlemen and they would lose their place in ceremony. So, you know, they're, they're out there in nature in their robes and they have these pieces of paper with the order of the ceremony and the you know the words that they are supposed to speak and that's completely okay um you know it's it's better to have a guide and a reference so that you can get through it and feel comfortable than to get lost and then you're it's your turn to speak or even if you're doing it solo you go oh gosh now what do i do what's next so it's very simple just just have it written down until you and you can practice it until you get comfortable with it, and then you don't need uh, a written order anymore. So I'm just going to kind of broadly cover, like maybe like a simple structure of what a druid ceremony may look like. Um, my only, you know, my experience is this through Obod. I'm not going to go into depth about how Obod structures it, um, but that you know the exact order um, can de- depend on your druid organization instructions or guides or whatever. Um, if you don't belong to a druid organization, you can just create your own order. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with just writing your own ceremony how you want it to be and you can even go back and modify it later if you want to to suit your needs you know if you go through ceremony and you think oh that was I really enjoyed that but I wish you know I had honored the elements or I had um, talked to my deity or whatever it is you can go back and add that later Um, so there's again there's gonna be a broad structure to each ceremony but you can kind of incorporate your own goal into the individual ceremony okay so first thing you want to do is kind of build an outline, you know, writing it down, having it with you. Um, this will generally include things like gathering the items that you need, um, placing these items where you need them to be during the ceremony so you don't have to be fumbling around trying to find things. So you go ahead and set them out in advance. You know, you may think about what clothing are you going to wear. Um, do you need candles or do you need other items representing the elements? Um, do you need a grounding stone and so on so just think about what you want and then go ahead and have those with you be dressed the way you want to have your items set out already where you need them to be so once you're ready to begin you may sit kind of in silent meditation for a moment and to really think about your intention Uh, you want to clear your mind and think about what your goal is during this ceremony and when you're ready to start um, you may want to stand in a certain spot so uh, for instance, in some Druid organizations, you can you can imagine, you know, a ceremonial space is like a circle, maybe, with um, a compass. Um, you know, uh, if you if you can, in your home, you're outdoors, and you can figure out what where the direction north is, then generally you can kind of orient your space according to the directions if you want to. Like, um, I, I do a small ceremony in this one room in my house. It's kind of my office. And I know which way north is. That's I have my altar on the northern wall. Uh, it's just a little space, and it's nothing big, nothing formal. But you know, if if I can just walk through my mind and do a very quick ceremony based on the directions, and that way I can associate it with the elements and the animals and whatever else I want to do at that moment. So, 
you know, you may want to consider consider that and think about the directions. So again, you may pick a certain spot. Um, you may you may want to enter your your circle of ceremony from a certain direction, west or east, north or south, however you want to do it. Um, some people like to put a a candle and at each of the four directions and maybe one in the middle for the element of spirit. So you have these four candles representing the directions and the four elements and then one in the middle for spirit. Um, others may choose to have an item that kind of um, represents the elements at each of the directions. Maybe you might have a stone at the northern part of the circle uh, for earth, a feather in the east for air, a candle in the south for fire, and a bowl of water in the west uh, for water. Uh, but this is this is completely up to you, you know, so you can you can decide how formal you want it to be and what elements you want to include, all that. So when you're ready to begin, um, everything's in place, so you, you may typically want to start with a statement, you know, saying that the ceremony is beginning, you know, and speak it out loud. So don't just, um, you know, if you're worried about other people in your house hearing you or, or if you're in a, a space outdoors and there's a lot of people around and you can, you can whisper or just say it in your mind, but when we speak out loud, we are putting our energy out into the world and into the universe. So we can say things in our minds, but our, our, our words do carry energy and power. So after verbally out loud stating your intentions, you know, it may look something like, you know, I'm initiating the ceremony for the celebration of Yule, or I'm initiating the ceremony to seek a connection and understanding to Bridget, or, you know, whatever it is you want it to do. Um, after you've made your statement of the purpose of the ceremony, then that you are starting the ceremony, you know, you want to create a safe space or a sacred space to hold the ceremony. So some people may go to each of the four points of the compass. Um, this, this is, again, these are just examples. So some people go to, like, each direction of the compass. They may light a candle in each direction, or you can just hold a candle and walk to each direction or not. Um, you may invite the element uh, or spirit animal of that direction to join you in your ceremony. So this, you know, you could be like, um, you know, you go to the north and you say, I invite, um, the I, I go to the direction of the north and I invite the element of earth and the bear to join me in ceremony. And then, you know, and then you may walk around to the east and you say, uh, I, I go to the direction of the east and I ask the element of air and the animal of bird to join me in ceremony. So, you know, you, you can kind of design it how you want to. Uh, or any other combination that you want to as well. So um, s some people in ceremony like to use a wand. They have a, a wand or a stick or something that they have kind of consecrated, um, you know, to use only during ceremony. Um, other people use their finger. Um, you know, I know in, in some practices, you know, instead of a wand, they may use like a, a, a sacred stone or something like that that they, they hold or, and point in certain directions, however you want to do it. So... Um, like I said, some practices will use a finger, a wand, or whatever, and they will go around the circle and, and, you know, kind of draw a protective circle or a sphere of protection. And they may state out loud something like, you know, I'm drawing this sphere of protection for this sacred space for this ceremony. Uh, you know, no beings or energies that wish harm upon me may enter this sphere. So again, this is optional. Um, it's your choice. Um, but these are kind of components of some... Uh, druid and pagan ceremonies and I feel like I'm apologizing a lot I don't know why I feel like that maybe because it's it seems kind of woo-woo as I'm as I'm verbalizing it out loud 
Um, but when I'm doing it myself, it, it feels completely fine. Um, you know, when I first read it, and maybe when you're hearing it, it seems kind of weird, um, kind of out there. But that's just, it's just because it's, for me, it was something that I wasn't used to and wasn't experienced with. So, you know, even if you look at other commonplace religious ceremonies, um, the practices that are done in those ceremonies from an outsider's perspective also seem very weird. So it's not that it is weird. It's just that it feels weird to you or sounds weird because maybe you've not done it or not been exposed to it. So, so anyway, (laughs) sorry. Um, so, you know, after you stated your intention, you've invited the elements or spirits, you you can even invite gods or goddesses to be with you. You know, you draw your circle of protection, uh, you are ready to begin the ceremony. So this could be anything from uh, simply conducting a reading or uh, giving a verbal speech that you've prepared or uh, acknowledging the importance of whatever the ceremony is. For instance, um, you know, simply maybe it's a Yule ceremony. And I say that because, um, you know, we're, the winter solstice was two days ago. So maybe it's a Yule ceremony and you just wish to honor it. And, and you give us a, a, a verbal out loud speech about what Yule means to you and how you want to connect with it. Um, you know, um, it could be that you uh, kind of speak in depth about why you want to connect with a certain god or goddess. Or, or you could just sit down in the center uh, and begin meditation on whatever your ceremony is about. You know, maybe you want to meditate and just do some, some um, you know, spiritual journeying or something like that. Um, you you can even speak out loud, you know, just stating that you're just broadly seeking guidance from the universe on a specific situation in your life at the moment. You know, I am at this troublesome time in my life. I want to sit in meditation and I'm asking the universe to please help me, guide me on my path. And I, I want to, to gain some insight into what I should do at this time in my life. And then you can, can, can just sit in that sacred space and do that. Um, this is a time when other people may go into very deep meditation or do, um, you know, what you might call uh, shamanic journeying or astral traveling or going into the other world, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Whatever term or phrase you want to use for that type of practice. Um, other people use this as a time for uh, divination practices. So some people, and I've done this before and, and found it very helpful, um, if there's something going on in my life and I'm just seeking some guidance on it, I may do a very quick introductory ceremony, meditate for a moment, ask my question to the universe, and then do some divination. So things like using tarot cards or oracle cards, um, water gazing, gazing into a bowl of water or a black mirror, or using the oum or in, any other type of divination tool. So the, the idea is that this is a time when we are outside the regular um, kind of apparent world around us, and we are open to influence from the spiritual world, from the elements, deities, other natural energies. Um, <clears throat> this is the time that whatever you're there to do, uh, this is the time to do it. So once you have kind of completed the main section of your ceremony, um, you know, you've, you've come to a conclusion um, you may wish to sit in silence and and just sit for a few moments and reflect on anything that you felt or you've heard or insights you've had during the ceremony. You're, you're still in this kind of sacred space. You're safe. This is a good time to just simply continue in that mindset and that space and to kind of be present. So whatever, you know, when you've completed whatever you came to do, it's, it's time to kind of start to finish it up. 
So some people in that, that are meditating, they may use a timer or an alarm that will go off and kind of pull them back to the present. Uh, some people use a grounding stone uh, to bring them back to the here and the now. Um, whatever you whatever you like, um, you can choose how you want to do it, but something that kind of brings you back to the present time and present space. Um, so once you're kind of back to the present, it's now time to formally close the ceremony. And some practices do this by reversing the circle or the compass, you know, um, going in the reverse direction that you, you went in before. So maybe you started and you went north, east, south, and west. So you may reverse it and close the circle. Uh, you know, if you went clockwise, you may close the cir- open the circle back up uh, counterclockwise and go west, south, east, and north. Um, however you want to do it. Um, but, you know, you, as you're going through it, you're, you're, you're thanking uh, whoever you invited to be with you. So if you invited the, the elements or animal spirits or the directions or any deities, you know, thanking them for being with you and, and acknowledging their presence if they were there and letting them go. And then, you know, using your finger or the wand or whatever to open that circle or sphere of protection as you're going around. You know, so now this is a, this is a time when you're like, you know, if you can imagine you closed yourself off in a bubble, you know, outside of the apparent world, now you're opening that bubble back up. You are rejoining the world around you, you know, kind of to say. So if you had candles lit, you know, this is a time to blow them out. Um, I was reading the other day that um, in, a, in one in one book, some someone said that uh, uh, druids don't like blowing out candles because it's it's pitting one element against another element so it's you are using air to combat fire which is kind of i don't know i it, it made me think about it so it, it said that a lot of people a lot of druids when they're in ceremony they will um, use their fingers to snuff out the candles or use a candle snuffer rather than blowing out the candles because it's kind of offensive to the element of fire so if that's something important to you you can consider that as well um so you know, then you after you've got the candles out, you can go back to the beginning position wherever you chose to start your ceremony, and then kind of, again, verbally putting your words out into the universe, saying something like, "I am closing the ceremony for my initiation into the practice of druidry," or "I am now closing the ceremony uh, for the celebration of Yule," or whatever it is, or, or however you want to choose to close it. And a lot of people at this point, they like to sit in reflection for a few moments. Um, they may want to kind of think about the experience from an outside perspective. So when you're in ceremony, you are in the moment. Um, you are experiencing whatever you are there for and whatever you're there to experience. So uh, some people like to sit and, again, look at it from an outside perspective. So you may ask questions. Uh, look at yourself uh, kind of from the outside, take a step back from the situation. You know, what what was gained in this ceremony? What did you you know? What did you feel? What did you learn? Did you accomplish your goals? What insights did you have? Um, it can also be really helpful to have a journal or even many different journals about you know maybe you have a meditation journal or a ceremonial journal or um, a nature journal that you take when you go on walks. But for instance, having one specifically about ceremonial experiences and writing down, uh, you know, notes about insights you had or, or changes that you want to make to your next ceremonial experience. Um, you know, or just write down, you know, goals for the next time. Like, you know, I, I, I sought to reach out to this deity 
Um, I felt their presence a little bit, but I think next time I might like to approach it this way and see if I can get better insider connection this way. Um, so it, it's common in other practices, like in Wicca, um, when I was reading about ceremony in Wicca, they will frequently um, do an activity to kind of ground themselves in the current reality again. Um, so it's a moment to go get something to eat, get something to drink, uh, walk barefoot on the earth, talk with other people um, to kind of bring you back to the present. Because it can be very kind of unsettling for your mind and your spirit to kind of go to a different place and a different time, um, you know, in your mind. Uh, and then to come back to the here and now and to kind of have to deal with the human world around us. So, um, like I said, eating, drinking, going for a walk, uh, even just laying down in the bed for a moment and kind of feeling your body and being aware of your body. The goal is to transition back to this reality simply and comfortably. So, so there are many ways to do ceremony, um, and, you know, I cannot cover them all. This is a, an introductory podcast, so it's just basic information and ideas. Um, and... I would like to say if you stuck with me this long in the podcast, thank you again. I think I said that last time because it was very long. Um, so, so again, thank you for listening. I know this is very long, but I, I love long podcasts because it helps me. It's, it's for me, it's easier than reading a book and I can listen to it while I'm doing other things. So I hope you're still here and enjoying it. So, um, this next topic's a little bit interesting. And when I was studying Druidry, I was not familiar with it at all. I did not know it was a thing. Um, but there's one type of ceremony that I was unfamiliar with, and there are uh, a lot of pagan practices use this, and some of you may have heard of this practice, uh, some of you may have not. Uh, the, the practice is called uh, being sky-clad. So if you think of sky, um, you know, the sky, and clad means clothed. Um, it, the, the term sky-clad sounds like a very weird term, but it has a very simple meaning. And when you look at the word, you can see what it means. So, like I said, uh, clad just means clothed. So sky-clad means you are clothed by the sky. And to clarify what this means, it means you are nude, you are naked. So, you know, you might say, wait, why would I want to be naked? Why would I want to be nude? This sounds like some cult stuff or something. You know, what, what kind of cult is this? And, you know... And I do have to admit, um, I've never done this, uh, but it does sound very interesting when you look at it from a spiritual perspective. Um, so some people do this ceremony uh, or do ceremony in this fashion, whether it's alone or with other people. Um, I've, you know, listening to some, some podcasts, I've listened to uh, Philip Cargom, um, the former head of Obad. He talks about it a lot. And and about the, the experiences that he's gained from it and the, the insights. And so it's very interesting to do some research about it if you're interested. But I want to talk about it a little bit because it does seem very odd. But I want to kind of go in depth about it. Um, you know, I found out that it's pretty common. Um, and, um, you know, maybe this is one reason why pagans for years felt the need to be isolated in the woods. Yeah, I don't know. But I want to kind of look at it philosophically. So... When we are clothed, when we have clothes on in our regular everyday lives, you know, our regular clothes that we wear or whether we're wearing a suit and tie or a dress or if we're even in druid robes, um, you know, the, the, the order of bards, ovates, and druids have, have different colored robes for each level. So like a bard is a blue, wears blue robes, uh, the ovate wears green robes, and the druid wears white robes. Um, 
you know the the point is these article these articles of clothing are, are attempting to convey something about us to those around us so we are when we wear clothes or attire of any type we are trying to present pre, trying to present an idea of ourselves to the universe you know i am a bard so i'm wearing this color i'm an ovate i'm wearing this color or I have money and can afford nice clothes, so this is how I show respect. Um, you know, or I am poor and I can't afford nice clothes, but I am here in the best clothes that I have. Um, one of my most favorite quotes um, is from Henry David Thoreau, and um, in Walden, and he famously said, "Only those who go to soirees and legislative halls have new coats, coats to change as often as the man changes in them." But if my jacket and trousers, my hat and shoes are fit to worship God in, they will do, will they not? So his point was that society judges a person based on the clothes that they wear. You know, but God or your your God or goddesses or other deities or just the universe, however you want to think of it, uh, does not care what clothes you wear. Um, clothing is a way for humans to tell others how they should see them or perceive them so if we remove the clothes and, and the attire then we remove the ego so we are physically and metaphorically stripped bare you know so when we enter the world and when we leave the world we are in the nude we are stripped of ego we are exposed to the universe and some people believe that when performing ceremony um, which is in itself something that invites us to be vulnerable and open to the universe. You know, so if we are wearing clothing, we are still hanging on to this sense of ego and pride and separation or individual entity. Um, you know, when we're wearing clothing, um, even if we're all wearing robes, uh, if they're different colors or whatever, we are different than the person beside us. So I'm wearing a blue robe while you are wearing a white robe. Um, you know, I have a tie and a jacket while you have on a t-shirt. Um, we are not one in this moment. Um, we are separate. We are different. But if we're all nude, then we are all the same. You know, if when we are nude, we all, are all part of the kind of one human and universal life and, and, and consciousness of the universe. There's no separation. Uh, in, in that moment, when we are all nude, we are, are, are sky-clad, as it is, uh, we are all vulnerable. We are equal to each other. Um, you know, a, a different kind of approach is in that moment, we are also equal to the other animals around us in that moment. Um, we are exposed to the elements. We are simply a human animal existing in this state. And by performing ceremony skyclad, either alone or with others, we have this feeling of, you can create this feeling of oneness with the earth and, and the world around you. So you are presenting yourself to the world um, the way that your ancestors would have thousands of years ago. So we can imagine being in a forest uh, alone or with others. Uh, maybe you're near a fire and it's at night uh, and you're under the stars. Or maybe you're in a field or, or up on a mountaintop, you know, in the middle of the day in summer. Or maybe it's winter and snow is blowing around you. But imagine you're in one of these spaces, or all of them, and you're holding a ceremony. And you stand up with your intentions in mind, and like we've talked about, you approach the sacred space, and you, and, uh, you, know, you kind of question what you're about to do, but you feel kind of driven to do it. 
but slowly and cautiously, you know, you, you remove all of your clothes. So you're now standing in the open, completely nude. So if you go through this process, what do you imagine? What, what setting are you in? Are you in a mountain? Uh, are you in a field, a forest? Is it cold? Is it warm? Is it raining or snowing? Is it hot and sunny? Um, you know, imagine yourself in these different settings and feel what you would truly feel if you were there. And, and not just physically. How would you feel mentally? Um, you know, in your mind, if you go through this exercise, do you feel different with your clothes versus without your clothes? Do you feel open and vulnerable or do you feel empowered like you truly belong to the earth and you're more connected to the earth and the world around you without your clothes? You know, when you when you were in the process of removing your clothes in your mind, did you feel that you were leaving something behind? Maybe, you know, maybe you're leaving behind this, the egotistical, egocentric view of who you are. You know, now you're not this person with this attire, uh, with this amount of money, and you, you chose these clothes because what they represent. You're not any of that now. You are simply a human being now. So, you know, you're not your name. Um, you're not your clothes and what they represent. You are just a human being. And, you know, another... Um, one of my favorite movies is Fight Club. And sorry to very quickly steer in a different direction, but um, one of the quotes from Fight Club, uh, Tyler Durden, he said, You are not your fucking khakis. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to get some water there. So <laughs> that saying is, is kind of harsh, but, you know, if we think of khaki pants, and he's talking to uh, the other character in the movie, um, and he had just lost all of his things in an apartment fire, and he was lamenting the fact that oh, I had all of these, this nice furniture and these, I had just completed this nice dish set and, you know, my, my wardrobe that I'd built up over years and now it's all gone. And, and his point in that one line, you're not your fucking khakis. You are not these physical things that you adorn yourself with. You are just a human being on the earth. And so if we go back to the ceremony, in your mind... You know, you're still, think about it, if you're sky-clad, you're still sky-clad and you, you go through a ceremony. So think of something you want to do in that space and time being sky-clad. Do you feel more drawn to seek a connection to nature? Or, you know, are you going to ask for guidance about, you know, whether you should try to get a different job? Like, you know, being in this space and time, being nude and vulnerable it helps us to strip away all this unnecessary present day societal, you know, constructs that we put up around us. Um, when we strip ourselves bare like that, we can truly feel what it feels like and what it means to be a human. Um, you know, when we're doing skyclad practice, again, I haven't done it, but I, I've got done it in my mind and it, I can get somewhat of a feeling and, 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 and uh, a thought about it. But it, of course, I'm sure it's not the same as actually doing it. But, you know, if you were to go through this, um, it, it, I would imagine it helps you feel like you are not that important, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, you are still part of the whole, um, you know, but you can, you can be present and you can be, um, you can just be part of the whole, but you can also be separate and have a conscious awareness of it. And you can appreciate the dichotomy of acknowledging both, I'm not important, but I am important. And, you know, and so if you think about ceremony and you're going through that, what do you feel or what do you learn in that moment? And, and you can take this feeling 
or these thoughts and take it with you in the future. You know, maybe you're at your desk and your boss is yelling at you or you're sitting in traffic on your way home or any other time. You can perform this exercise in your mind and immediately it will help you kind of feel different and put things into perspective. So um, this process can also, you know, help put things in perspective and realize the significance or insignificance of the things around us. So if, you know, if you're interested in it, even a little bit, you know, I would encourage you to try it in the real world. Um, you know, if you have a, a, a lot of land, a space outdoors, um, you know, go there and try that. Um, if you have land where you won't be, you know, arrested for public exposure or anything like that. Um, but you can, you can even, it can even be as simple as doing it somewhere where you would not normally be nude. So, you know, at our, in our homes, we expect to be nude in the bathroom uh, you know, we're showering or changing clothes. Um, but you know, something as simple as going out into your garage, if you have a garage or, you know, if you, if no one's home going into your living room, for instance, or the kitchen, just somewhere different where you're not normally nude and where you will be alone, you know, you're not going to break laws or offend anyone or whatever, but just a different room in your house and perform a ceremony in the nude. And it can bring a new type of awareness and connection to the earth and nature. Um, you know, when we think about the word nature, we associate it with the word natural. So it is natural for us to be nude. Um, and if we look back historically, clothing, clothing is a human construct that was kind of invented for survival, um, you know, which eventually evolved to become a sign of wealth or even creative expression. <clears throat> so we can think of the word strip. So as in a stripper or to strip away clothing, um, the, the, the word strip usually has a negative connotation to it and is associated with sexuality. But when we strip away our clothing, we are left bare and vulnerable. We are, you know, uh, stripped bare of our dignity. So why is clothing associated with dignity? Should we, should we not have dignity when we are in the nude? Um, should we not be proud of who we are in the nude? Uh, this is not a... A sexual discussion. This is not an approach about um, sexuality from a human perspective. It is about the basic foundation of kind of humanity and realizing our connection to nature and our role in the universe. And by stripping away these things that represent societal norms or, you know, sexual expectations of quote appropriate dress or the perception that we and other people get by wearing clothing, uh, when we take all that away, we are left with nothing but who we are. So, so this, should be, this should be something that's very beautiful. Um, it, it does take time and mental exploration to kind of get comfortable with this topic. Some people are very comfortable right away, but for most of us, we kind of have to like weed through uh, the teachings and the indoctrinations that we've had since birth to kind of get to the truth. Um, but as we know, you know, there's still culture, cultures that are primarily nude. And these cultures are, unfortunately, um, you know, from, quote, advanced societies, we see them as, quote, savages. Um, you know, we think they haven't been exposed to or adopted today's cultural norms. You know, and if they were just taught the right way to live, then they would do that. But for them, being nude is normal. It's appropriate. Um, they, they look at outsiders covered up with you know, all these colorful cloths and items and wonder why we're doing that. You know, it, it, people go to Africa where it's, you know, very warm and these, these 
tribal people are nude and all these foreign people have a bunch of clothes on and to them it's like why are you wearing all these clothes it's hot you know what are you doing just you sh you should be nude and exposed and be comfortable um but again there's nothing necessarily sexual to them about being nude it's just how humans were meant to exist in the world so if we can take away these negative connotations of being nude and stopping stop looking at it sexually which then leads to, you know, quote, sinful behavior to most world religions, we can see each other with a much deeper sense of connection and respect rather than objectifying each other and making judgments based on other people's bodies. So this is different than, say, in a nudist colony. So in a nudist colony, everyone there is nude all the time. Um, and this practice, skyclad, is very different. It's about coming from a place of spirituality. Um, it's it's a ceremonial thing. Uh, it's appreciating the fact that we are a human being in this world, and we are an animal with conscious awareness, and we can direct that awareness um, in any number of directions with any number of intentions. And and being skyclad is simply one of them that can help us develop a deeper connection to nature. So I know that was a very long topic, um, but I felt like it needed to be because it can be a very kind of contentious and odd subject to talk about. So I wanted to approach it from the perspective of kind of being open about it and looking at the intention behind it and kind of just exploring it a little bit. Um, you know, just let it sit and think about it. Um, it's, it's out there if you want to think about it or practice it. So sorry for the lengthy discussion on that. Um, but, you know, in closing, coming up on the end of the, the episode here, um, you know, ceremony can be a very wonderful, fulfilling spiritual experience, uh, but you can organize it any way you want to to fit your needs. And you can have it be very formal, very drawn out, or you can make it very short and to the point. And by bringing a sense of kind of intention and focus to your spiritual practice, um, whether you're only doing ceremony on like the holidays of the wheel of the year or you're doing it multiple times per day, you know, or only in the, some people just do it in the morning and the evening. Um, however you decide to do it, you can deepen your connection to the universe and you can appreciate the fact that you are alive in this moment and we can acknowledge our role in nature and we can feel more connected to the world around us and that's what Druidry is all about. So however you decide to perform ceremony is up to you. Um, you can follow written outlines by other druid or pagan organizations, or you can completely write your own to fit your own style and your own needs. And, you know, just to make sure, you know, I put it out there, some druids don't use ceremony in their practice at all. Some people just learn about druidry and practice druidry on a day-to-day -day basis, and they don't feel the need to have this formal um, ceremonial expression. And, and that's completely okay for, for you as well um, but you know whatever you decide to do um, it is an option and you know I would it, you know just encourage you to get out there and explore it and and try it for yourself and see it something see if it's something that you want to incorporate into your practice so thank you for listening and take care thank you so much for joining in at the Druids Grove I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me A Coffee. 
Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.